for those of you who haven't been here before, those of you who are familiar with this, but look to your left and look to your right. And if you know both people that you just looked at, sit somewhere else when you come back from the break. Because part of today is to network. If you know, leave here knowing one person that you didn't know this morning, you've gained something from the day. This is uh, the 10th year of the Freelance Forum. The uh, first one was organised by uh, Jean Quigley. It's made possible by uh, support from the Dublin Freelance Branch and in recent years also from the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland, BAI. So we're very grateful for that to have subsidised the event today. Uh, our first speaker is Ken Fox, uh, and he's going to uh, talk about uh, FOI in Ireland uh, in the inside and so, so forth. Ken? Um, thanks, thanks very much. So um, I'm going to talk to you today about FOI a little bit, and I'm going to try and do something that maybe other pe when other people talk about FOI, they talk about the legislation and so on, but rather than that, I'm going to talk about make an FOI work for you. My main job is I'm an assistant lecturer in DIT, but I also freelance for kind of my, the other half of my life, and I'm very much dependent on freelance journalism, and one of the things that I've found incredibly useful is freedom of information, because of, 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 the, way, of the, the way you can fit it into kind of your schedule around other work and so on. You know, you can do it at any time of the day or night, um, and so on. So I'm just going to very briefly introduce you to the history of Ireland's FOI. So we've had an FOI Act in Ireland since 1997. In 2003, the Fianna Fáil government at that stage gutted it, and they introduced something that was very damaging for freelance journalism, not so much for, main, for journalists who had full-time jobs and so on, and that was a €15 Euro fee for requests. So if you were working in a newspaper or you're working in RTE or something like that, a 50, 15 euro for request didn't make too much difference to you. But if you're a freelance journalism or tr somebody trying to get started, that was a big issue. And then in 2014, uh, the Fine Gael Labour government, and I think primarily pushed through by Labour, made some changes to the Act and they abolished the, the fee which, from our perspective, that, that's by far the most important thing. So as far as history of FY, that's all I'm, I'm going to say, because none of that really matters too much, you know. And I think for freelance journalists, you know, think of FOI not so much as a legal instrument, but just think of it as a research tool and a mechanism for generating stories for yourselves. It's got, it, it, it potentially can be one of the most important sources of stories for, for people involved in journalism. The... I suppose some of the key points that I would make is that, you know, FOI is a great kind of democratising force for journalism because you don't have to be in Leinster House, you don't have to be down in the forecourts, you don't have to have access to different uh, sources and so on. Anybody can do an FOI request, it doesn't matter who you are. But the important thing is that the wording of the request is, is, is critical to, to your success. And the main mistake that people make is that they ask questions. And FOI in Ireland is not about answering your questions. It's about the records that actually exist. So the, the key thing you have to get into your head is what records actually exist. In terms of how to word your request, and I, I'm going to... Ger will have a copy of this presentation, and there are some links and so on in it, but if anybody wants a copy of it, 
they can get it off Jer. And the other thing is that on my website, which is just kenfox.com, I've written a kind of a, a beginner's guide to use an FY that people might find helpful. So this is how simple it is to word your request. Dear Sir, Madam, under the 2014 Act, I'm seeking the following. And you just put in whatever you want there. You look for the information electronically, I suppose, so that you can then share it with other people, or you can put it online. Because FOI, again, is about being open. It is about being transparent. You get your story out of it, and then you should put it somewhere other people can, can look at it, you know, members of the public or other reporters. But you'll see on some websites they'll talk about forms and you need to send this by post and so on. But all of that is, is, is nonsense. An FOI request <coughs> has to be taken via email. You don't have to fill in any forms. And that simple format will, it will be enough for any request. In terms of what bodies are included, you know, the vast majority of public bodies, pretty much everything that you can think of, are subject to FOI, except for some of the commercial semi-states and also the office of the, the president. A lot of new bodies were brought under the legislation under the 2014 Act, including NAMA and including the Gardaí. So they all fall under the, the, the legislation now. If bodies have only recently been added, then the, the FOI Act doesn't go back indefinitely into the past. It only goes back to a certain date and time. So for public bodies that have always been subject to FOI, you can only go back to 1997. So you can't get records from 1996. So basically, you're going to have to wait for them to be opened up under, under kind of the National Archives legislation. With NAMA and the Gardaí and so on, generally it's from around the time that they got um, brought under the legislation in terms of what information you can get. You can use foi.gov.ie to see what bodies are included, but there are hundreds and hundreds, some of whom get thousands of requests every year, some of whom might get zero, some of whom might get one or two, um, dependent on, 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 on you know, if they're a department or a small um, little public body. The other thing is if a new public body is set up, it automatically falls under the FOI Act, whereas previously under the old legislation, it would have to later get specifically included and it used to leave gaps. Um, you have a right to appeal, so if your request is refused, um, you, the first step that you would take is, is for what's known as internal review. That costs €30, Euro, and that's carried out by the people you made the request to in the first place. And more often than not, in every, in every journalist who uses this in their experience, more often than not, these will be refused. The next step then is that you can appeal to the Office of the Information Commissioner, and that's €50. Euro. And the second appeal will certainly take months, potentially could take years if there are complex legal issues involved in it. And be aware as well that once we move into this phase, it doesn't really, things, you know, just because you think this is in the public interest or you think it should be in the public domain or you can't see why it's harmful, why it would be, that none of that really matters. It becomes very much a legal argument. And at that point, really to fight these cases with the Information Commissioner, Unless you have a good legal background yourself, you may need legal advice. So as freelance journalists, we should generally be trying to avoid having to appeal. You know, there are some people, and I do this myself, you know, who will do FOI requests for the purposes of kind of testing the law to see if there are inherent weaknesses in it, you know, if there are grey areas, just to test things out, to expand 
the boundaries for everybody. And it can lead to potentially interesting court cases, but it's kind of FOI as a participant rather than as a, um, rather than as a kind of a, a regular journalist. And you know, do we have time to wait two to three years or six months for a story? Do we have time or resources to pursue court cases? And only a handful of these cases really, you know, the likes of say NAMA, uh, under the environmental regulations with Gavin Sheridan and so on, those ones might move beyond being of interest to a very select group of, of journalists and lawyers. So we're looking really for FOI for, for day to day work because we're always operating with deadlines, with cost restrictions, and then FOI becomes about being systematic and then the results kind of streaming back into your email address four weeks later. If we're already finding it difficult, you know, to find time in our schedule to submit requests, are we really going to have the time to pursue appeals, legal advice, draft letters and so on, and all the submissions and all of the effort that goes into, into kind of successfully appealing to the Information Commissioner. I suppose one of the biggest things for people who start off with FOI is that they'll find their requests can get refused and they wonder why. Why is my request being refused? So you see this example of Conor McMorrow from RT put up where you know records have been released and every single thing has been redacted and that, that does happen. But you need to, at some point, I know I said it is a legal, pro uh, it, it is a research tool, it is worth reading the legislation at some stage. It gives you a clear idea of the exemptions. And people get frustrated because they look for records that are exempt. But there's no use really complaining <coughs> about lack of transparency if you're not aware of the law. You know, the law, the Irish FOI law is quite limited. It's much... Uh, there are much more exemptions in it. It's much stricter than in other jurisdictions. And if we want to change that, we as journalists need to campaign for government to change it. But if we want to, otherwise we just have to live with the restrictions and the exemptions are there. So when you kind of read the act, you, kind of, you would get the sense that almost anything could be refused on some grounds or another. Commercially sensitive would want to be one of the very common ones that you would see. It's exactly what it suggests, that information could, could have commercial sensitivity. But it's, it's used extremely commonly for anything relating to money. And there is clear case law, again, the, the place to go if people are looking for case law is Maeve McDonough's book about freedom of information law in Ireland. And you'll see there are countless cases where the Information Commissioner has said that commercial sensitivity is a very high bar. And it's not just we paid 50,000 for this and we think it's commercially sensitive. It's not as simple as that. So it can be challenged, but as I said, challenging these things is complex. Internal legal advice, advice from the Attorney General and so on, there are clear exemptions for these and very hard to get around them. Um, ongoing decision-making processes. So one of the big refusals that you'll see is what's known as the deliberative process. So if a, a government agency is involved in making a decision or considering making a decision, during the time they're thinking about it, there is a protection there for the documents. So often it can be better to wait until a process is actually finished. So for instance, after the you know, a month before the budget, if you start going, I want to know what Minister Donoghue is thinking about VAT or betting tax or something like that, you're probably not going to get those records. Mm -hmm. but once the budget is decided, the day after you put in that request and you say, I want to know what uh, 
what the discussion about that was, then you will be able to get it because the deliberative process is effectively over and the decision has been made. Again, this is an exemption that's rampantly abused. So people will use it for all sorts of tiny little decisions. And it's only really meant, and again, if you, you look at the kind of the, the cases that are out there, it's really meant for very important decisions where public body gen genuinely needs you know, space and time to consider this without publicity kind of wrecking that. But it doesn't apply to a decision over um, whether you're going to replace the carpets or not. And sometimes you'll see a public body will say, oh, well, we're, we're still thinking about that. It doesn't apply to small issues like that. There are other things like security, diplomatic implications, anything affecting national security or relations between states. And they can be broadly used, and again, they're quite difficult to get around. So there's, those are some of the main exemptions. In terms of success rates, um, your hit rate in terms of FOI might start out quite low. And I would say that you should counteract that by volume of requests. You know, don't get downhearted about it. Be one of the journalists who actually sticks with it. An awful lot of reporters out there have, have you know, messed around with FOI but grown frustrated with it quite quickly and haven't pushed the boundaries. You, so you should try and be one of the ones who sticks with it. You know, you can only learn by making mistakes and the cost of a failed request is, you know, a few minutes of your time and basically not, uh, zero money. Um, things to bear in mind, sometimes information is released that shouldn't be and sometimes it can be worth submitting a request that you think might be refused. At the very least, you could get what's known as a schedule of records, which is a list of the relevant documents. Be aware that quality of service ver varies hugely from organization to organization. So positive <coughs> experiences that you might have would be the Department of Public Expenditure, Finance, Education, Houses of the Oireachtas, places that you can expect bad experiences, the HSE, the Department of Justice, most government departments will do what's required. <coughs> Some a little more quickly than others, but try and kind of fish in the right lake. You know, there's no point getting annoyed with the likes of the HSE and the Department of Justice about how badly they deal with requests. Just get on with it. You know, people have been complaining about them for years. Nothing has ever been done. Nothing probably ever will be done. We just have to live with it. Submit requests to organizations like that and be prepared to wait and be prepared to get, you know, very little back. Otherwise, you know, go elsewhere. Select the people that take their responsibility seriously. You know, Department of Finance, Public Expenditure, Foreign Affairs, Health, the Taoiseach, Education, the Oireachtas. So I would say you're more likely to have a good experience than you are to have a bad experience. And the bad experiences invariably all go back to the same couple of organisations, as I mentioned, Department of Justice, who, who would be particularly notorious. And you have to think of it as a kind of a, result, a results percentage driven process, you know, because this, if it's going to form part of your freelance career, you know, you have to think of it as part of your business. So are you really going to submit dozens and dozens of requests to a department that get absolutely nowhere, that you get no stories whatsoever out of, or are you going to be a bit more targeted in what you do? A few key things to remember, the first five hours of search and retrieval are free, so keep that in mind if you're seeking vast amounts of material. So try and picture what would, you know, how many documents you're talking about, you know, 50 pages, 100 pages, 
And if you think it's 500 or 1,000 pages, then you're in, in danger of running into territory where it could be considered voluminous. And requests for huge amount of materials can and will be refused on the basis that they're too big. But under the new Act, public bodies are, uh, are obliged to come back and offer you a chance to refine that request. Um, they, so for, as a for instance for that, so you're looking for records relating to um, you know, religion in school or something like that, and the, the, what, what the discussions of the Department of Education are about that. And you think, okay, I want to know everything the department has, been, has, has said about that since 2012. You know, that's going to be voluminous. But if there's a three-month period where you think there was a lot of activity within the department, you know, last September there was a flurry of activity, September, October, November, you know that there was a lot of discussion about this internally. That would be how you refine it, by looking for, say, three months rather than looking for the five years. And then the three months might throw up new leads for you. It might tell you, well, actually, there was a report done two years previous to that that they're all referring to. And then you submit a new FOI request for that. Um, departments don't generally have to create new records, tables, or lists of material. They only have to release the records that exist. Now, sometimes they'll create records for their own convenience, and they're not obliged to do so. And it can be important to remember that Sometimes when they offer to create records, it may be because they're trying to hide something. It may be just because it'll make life simpler for everybody, but it may also be because it helps them um, remove some records that you otherwise that they that might otherwise be embarrassing. So have a have a think about it if they're offering to come up with new records rather than give you the ones that actually exist. So as I was saying, you know the biggest mistake that people make is in asking questions. You know, FOI is not an alternative press office, even though some public bodies abuse it and use it in that way. We look for records that actually exist. So we have to try and understand how departments, how public bodies actually think. And if we don't know, do we know somebody in there that could help us? How do they make decisions? How do they talk about things? You know, how do they decide where they're going to spend money? What is the process for all of that? You know, how do people communicate? And the answers to that are usually, usually pretty simple. Why do people create records? You know, um, so a meeting takes place. You know, are there minutes of the meeting? Were people provided with briefing notes in advance? Was there an agenda? You know, did somebody give a PowerPoint presentation? Somebody jotting down handwritten notes? Is there an email chain afterwards where people discuss the meetings to agree the minutes? Think about what records exist of this meeting, of, of this event, if, say, it was subject to FOI. You know, what would actually exist? You know, the communications between me and Ger arranging it, the communications we'd have afterwards, the PowerPoint that I have. Maybe I sent him one, he didn't like it, he sent it back to me and said, can you do something different? You know, so it's the records that actually exist. Anytime you think about a decision, think about, the, think about that. Not asking questions, just about what is actually there. A minister makes a decision, you know, a memo is prepared for their attention. In advance of that, there are, you know, dozens and dozens of emails talking about what's going to go in that memo. <coughs> they could communicate with other relevant departments or state bodies looking for extra info. They could be inundated with representations from politicians 
or other people or interest groups or lobbyists on the topic. And the memo is written up, the minister signs off on it or not, maybe he or she sends it back, maybe they're not happy with it, maybe they look for changes, maybe they decide not to do it. But that's how decision making works in general. And if you can get your head around how decisions are made in public bodies, then you'll have a much better success rate with FOI. Say a foreign junket happens. People used to make the mistake they'd look for costs of a certain trip. And um, One year I asked all departments about St. Patrick's Day and they came back offering to collate the materials into tables and I took it. I said, okay, that's fine. And we did a story about it. Very little impact, even though the figure involved was absolutely enormous. But then when we revisited it a couple of years later and we looked for the small details, copies of the actual invoices, the actual receipts, insist on them. You know, that's where the that's where the material for your stories is, buried in the documents, not in tables, not in overarching figures. You know, people you could tell people they spent three hundred and fifty thousand euro on Patrick's Day that year, which they did. But if you told them instead about the fact that one person took a limousine between terminals and Heathrow Airport, which of those has the actual impact? You know, it's the specific details. Um, any trip takes place, copies of emails in preparation, organisation after the event. You know, was there a dispute over money? Did they get overcharged? All of these things that could potentially make stories for you. Um, as I said, I'm not going to show you any of these. I always try to post any interesting documents that I get under FOI on my website. So it's kenfox.com and I periodically update that. Um, it'll give you a sense of of what's available out there, how you might go about generating stories. Um, so as I said, it's not a press query. It's about trying to predict the records that exist, getting your hands of them. And I suppose the other thing, the other lesson, if I could, if, if you took something else away from, from my talk, would be to, you know, every week think of the story that really interested you and the one that left you asking questions that you couldn't answer. And more and more, as deadlines get shorter and the amount of productivity expected of staff journalists gets higher, more and more those que there are questions left, getting left unanswered all the time. You know, every single decision that's ever made has to benefit somebody. So who does it benefit? You know, and that benefit could be just that it saved them having to do any work and they were just being lazy, or that benefit could be financial. But every time someone makes a decision, they're doing it for a specific reason. So think about why. You know, channel your natural inclination not to accept things at face value. You know, we all learn about who, when, where, what, but very often we don't answer the why and the how anymore. And daily newspapers in particular are under so much pressure that answering those questions is quite difficult. The reporters aren't given the time to reflect on things. They don't have the time to chase up the FOIs and so on. And that's what leaves this big, huge gaping hole there for freelance journalists to jump into for kind of a little, to look a little bit deeper behind the day's headlines and answer those questions of why. And that's where FOI is really, really helpful in giving a picture of how a decision was made, you know, to, to, to shed a little bit of light on that. If you haven't done FOIs before, you'll you might not know this, but a lot of um, government departments and public bodies will publish FOI decisions. They'll publish either decisions or they'll publish a log of requests that they have. So I put up a few links there. Um, and it can give you a sense of what other journalists are looking for. 
um, what has worked in the past, what's getting refused, what's getting granted, what's getting kind of partially granted, as we say, where some but not all of the records would, would be released. If you look through those and you see something that worked previously, so somebody did an FOI request two or three years ago, the Department of Environment, looking for X. Who's to say that story wouldn't work again? You know, stories work... The, the, the turnover for a story to work again is actually much shorter than it used to be. Newspapers used to have a real pride in like, oh, we wouldn't do that story because it was in such and such a paper. But that has kind of dissipated somewhat. And now they're quite quick to return to something. Every story becomes new every year with new figures, for instance. So if something worked in the past, it'll work again. You can FOI logs from individual departments if they're not being published to see what they're releasing. And remember too, not all FOI requests are submitted by journalists. So sometimes really useful ones from members of the public or from solicitors, maybe just sitting there on the website or maybe nobody has ever actually looked at them. They're being used for a court case or they're being used because a person has a special interest in it, but they've never given it to a journalist. And I've got numerous stories from FOIs that other people had done that nobody had ever, you know, nobody had ever looked at. You can seek re-release of any FOI request. So anytime you see an FOI in the paper, it's, up, it's totally open to you to just go and say, I want to get a copy of that request. Some of them will ask you to submit a new FOI request. They can do that, but a lot of them won't because it creates a lot of bureaucracy for them. And at the same time, most public bodies will have a kind of a fair usage policy. So if you submit an FOI request, um, and they know who you are and you're a reporter and you haven't done anything with it about a week and a half later and other journalists start coming looking for it. Oftentimes they'll give you a heads up or they'll give you an opportunity to get something from the material. But do remember that effectively the minute that FOI request, those records are sent to you, effectively they are in the public domain then. You have no ownership whatsoever over them. You know, FOI is not for journalists. FOI is for everybody. And once the documents are released, they become public documents. So you have no right to them. So be, be, aware, be aware of that, that, that. If you get something really juicy, you probably don't want to be sitting on it for two or three weeks and hoping for the best. You know, use FOI as a mechanism to yield further research material. Look for lists of reports or consultancy commissioned and kind of dig through which are the interesting ones, you know, which haven't been published. Can I get copies of them? And do fishing expeditions. Journalists always get criticised for doing fishing expeditions. Journalism is one big fishing expedition. That's all we ever do is we just trawl around looking for stories. That's, that's, that's our job. We look at everything, you know. And, and if we look at 15 different things and we only get one story out of it, so be it. That's, that's the way journalism has always worked. We're allowed to do that develop stock FOIs that always yield information. So I'll have certain ones that I'll submit every six months. For instance, you know, correspondence, say, between the Secretary General of the Department of Health and the CEO of HSE over the course of six months. You can be guaranteed there's going to be some good material in that on a regular basis. You haven't necessarily a clear idea what you're looking for, but almost invariably there will be something there. And remember, too, that if you see something that worked with one department, who's to say that it wouldn't work elsewhere? Could you just submit it to, to, to the other government departments? Mm -hmm. um, increasingly, I suppose we should think in terms of what databases are available. Again, you know, anything 
figures-based waiting lists, prisons, crime, and so on, there are going to be databases of that information. And if there's another thing that I would encourage anybody here to do, if you don't have any familiarity at all with Microsoft Excel, it's, it's worth getting trained up a little bit on using it. You know, there are so many data sets out there and there's so little data journalism going on in Ireland. And again, it's a, it's a, a rich kind of vein of stories and material for you if, if, if you know what you're doing. Um, I don't, I'm not going to go through this in detail, but I suppose it's important to remember that government departments as well will adapt to change. So sometimes an FOI that you submitted two years ago may no longer work because the department has changed the way they do things. But sometimes that can be in a, a story of itself, a story in and of itself. It's also increasingly clear that some departments are trying to not leave traces of decision making and you know trying to keep things informal or over the phone and so on to avoid FOI but again you know think in terms of how utterly impossible it is not to leave an electronic footprint you know work phone logs mobile phone text messages whatsapp group chats are all subject to FOI now we haven't this hasn't been tested to the degree it should have been in an Irish context but there, there is at least one case of a, a Brexit WhatsApp group in the Department of Taoiseach that has been released. So if you find all of a sudden an FOI request that you submitted two years ago is giving you nothing, then ask yourself, are, is there a different way in which they're communicating? And specify in your request that you want records in, 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 those, in those formats. There's a couple of other tips here. As I said, if anybody wants to have a look at the presentation, Gerald send you a copy of it. Um, I'm going to just skip through those two slides. Just very quickly, alternatives to FOI. So the main one, I suppose, is what's known as access to information in the environment. And this used to be more useful than it is. These are EU regulations that allow um, access to environmental information. And one of the reasons it used to be very useful was because it never had a fee. So when FOI used to cost 15 euro, this was free. So that, that, ha that has been equalized now. Um, the definition of a public body is much looser as well. So if you have somebody like the president or the Irish Aviation Authority or Quilcha or the ESB organizations like this that are kind of either not in FOI or are partially in, they are the, the definition of what constitutes a public body is much broader <coughs> under AIE. So there are, it can be used as a go-around um, for FOI. In practice, it, it, the environmental uh, information has been interpreted very, very narrowly. But there, there are advantages to it. It does have less restrictions. Certain of the exemptions can be overruled as well, particularly where they relate to emissions into the environment. So if you're working on anything very clearly environmentally related and specifically anything climate change related, it can be a powerful tool. Um, and the exemptions that would, would, would shut you down in FOI won't arise there. Um, other alternatives for the EU Commission, that's the address that you go to. For the EU Parliament, that's the address that you go to and you can submit um, requests for access to documents. Again, something that's criminally underused in an Irish context. The amount of people who do requests to any of the EU bodies in, in Ireland, you could count it on the fingers of one hand, and even then it's very rare. So something that's for who, people who had a decent understanding of what's happening in the EU, what is relevant to Ireland, there's, it, it'd be a rich vein as well. The other thing in 
is there are these services as the EU and what do they know that will basically automate the FOI process for you. So you can submit requests through their website and they will run it from start to finish. Um, it can be quite useful, but it's important to remember that they post the process as it goes along. So if you're trying to work in secret, if you were working on a long-term investigative project, or you just wanted to keep the material all to yourself, it can be worth doing it manually yourself and kind of keeping it, I suppose, that nobody else knows about it. So that was really it. I, I wanted to maybe give time if anybody had any questions. Uh, but otherwise, if anybody wants to see the presentation, I, I will. Ger has it. And as I said, I have a guide on my website for a kind of a beginner's guide to do an FOI request that goes through a lot of what I talked about today. Okay. Thanks, everyone.